But what I want to begin talking to you about this week is a value we have here at Mount Helena Community Church. Now, when I when I'm meeting people that are new to the church or I'm introducing them to who we are as a church through our vision and values class, there are five values I talk about. Authenticity, generosity, commitment, development, and family. Five things that we value, five things we talk about a lot. And I want to start talking about the value of development here at the church. And this week I want to dive into the idea of vision to get us started with what it means. See, I'm not talking about development where you go look at a piece of land and you want to see it developed. We're talking about the value of development in every single person's life. God has each one of us on a journey and a process. He's taking us somewhere. He's he's causing us to grow and become mature. We're on a journey of development. We value that here. Really, what this comes from is the idea that Jesus called us all to make disciples. It's a process. We're all in process, and we need to value that process, embrace that process, and invite God into our process to lead us. And I want to begin with the idea of having vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. When I think about the word vision, having vision for my life, being able to see something, this isn't talking about literal sight. It's talking about being able to see something beyond. This word vision in the Hebrew, it has other words it gets translated into, to behold, to envision in visions, to prophesy to see in a supernatural way. In fact, I, I looked up this same word 25 more times in the scripture, and every single time it's referring to a prophetic seeing, an ability to understand what God is saying or what God is directing towards through his voice and his word. So what I'd like to do, when, well, when I think about vision, maybe... If I just stop and I picture the vision for my life, do I have vision for my life? Can I picture future? And I can imagine myself standing on a road, and that road being the journey of my life, and my past is behind me, and there's some bumps in the road and some ugly things that have gone on that I'm thankful that I'm, I've gotten through today. By the way, did you like the background during worship today? Yeah, yeah it was trippy, huh? What they don't realize is that some of us have hallucinogen use in our history, and that cause stuff causes flashbacks. Nick, note to sell. I'm just kidding. Sorry, that was a bad joke. But, but I can envision my past behind me, my future in front of me. Somewhere out there is my sunset, the day when I leave this body and I go to be with the Lord, and maybe the road goes over mountains and through rivers and valleys, and it takes turns. I have a future. When I think of the word vision, it's looking ahead. Can I see or perceive or even imagine or think about or contemplate what God has for me? Vision in my life, vision for my family, vision for the church, vision for all of mankind. The Bible says without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I want to add some more words. Let's go to the next slide. These words come out of other translations or amplified version of the scripture, and it gives us, it colors this a little bit for us so we can understand what it's saying. Where there is no prophetic vision, 
where there is no revelation of God and his word. It's a revelatory word, the ability to see something, where there is no ability to see God and his word, to have vision, the people cast off restraint. So when something is restrained, it's controlled, it's guided, they are discouraged, neglected, lacking, and uncovered. Maybe we feel that way sometimes. If we can't see tomorrow, if we can't see hope, if we can't see possibility, if we can't see what's next, we can get discouraged. We feel neglected, uncovered, lacking what we need. When we do not have revelation of God and his word, we lack direction. We aren't restrained. We aren't guided. It's discouraging. But blessed, not blessed, I mean blessed in terms of having received something, but blessed is this idea of being happy. Happy is he who keeps the law. Sometimes when we see this word law, we think of, so what do we need to do? We need to sacrifice animals according to the Old Testament to be happy? No, this word law can be understood in a variety of ways about God. It's his direction, his instruction, his wisdom, and his ways. Okay, so let's go back through and read this again. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. God has called us and gives us vision, a hope for what's next in life. And when we pause and we look around the world, so often what we see is despair, lack of hope, Lack of ability to perceive what God has or what God is doing. And so we want to challenge ourselves to seek God for vision. Revelation and vision, having vision begins in the Word of God. Whatever you want for your future, whatever you see, whatever you're working towards, the inspiration and understanding for the way to do that right and well is in the Word of God. That's where it begins. We need to be inspired by God's vision. God's plan informs us of His plan and then us as individuals. So we start with big picture concepts in the Scripture. God has called us all to make disciples. When He ascended into heaven, we'll look at this passage later, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. In that area, it says, He ascended into heaven and He said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. God's vision for His people is that they will develop others. This is where we start getting into the value of development. He gave us a vision, a picture, a future, a hope, something He's called us to do. Now, we can just zoom out big picture and go, that was way back in time. That's a really big picture vision. I don't fit into that. But that is vision for every single member of God's church, that they would become a part of making disciples of all nations, all people groups. We all play a part of that. Every single member of the body of Christ is a minister. And so when I stop and I consider, do I have vision for my life? Do I have future? Do I have hope? What is it, and am I including God in it? We just got through this New Year's process, and oftentimes people do resolutions and things like that. I mean, let's, let's take a quick survey. How many of you took a serious New Year's resolution this year? Two of you? How many of you don't really do that? Yeah, I don't really either. But it's a great opportunity for us to stop and take inventory of our lives and consider what am I, what's next? 
What's this next year? What's the next steps in my life? What are the next steps for my family? Do I have vision for that? So if you pause and take seriously this question I'm asking you, can you say in your heart, yes, JR, I have vision for next? Or no, JR, I don't. I don't understand what's next. I don't know what to do. I don't have vision for my life. I can't, get, I can't see past today. God has vision for all of us, and we need it because without it, we're uncovered, we're discouraged, we wander, we're unrestrained. So we need to encourage ourselves with vision on a regular basis, beginning with the Word of God and God's vision for God's people, for the world, and for us as individuals. So there can be two extreme reactions that we have to this. I already mentioned one of them. God's, Jared, God's vision is so big that I'm irrelevant to it. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm just an insignificant speck in this plan. So my decisions don't matter. Who I follow and how I choose to live don't matter. So some of us fall into that trap of, I'm irrelevant. It doesn't matter what I do. And then there's the other extreme where we can get where it's like, it's all about me. The Bible was written for me. Everything in there is, it's all about my destiny, my future, my vision. Who cares about everybody else? But God is both. He has a people, a family that he is leading through his creation. And you're a part of it. And every single person has a part to play. Do you have vision for that? Is there a motivation for that? Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says this, write the vision. Write it down. Make it plain on tablets. Now, the context here is a prophecy in the Old Testament, but we learn things here about God. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Let's just pause here for a second. What does it sound like, writing on tablets? Sound like the Ten Commandments? Who wrote the first words of God? Written. God himself. In the story of Moses, God himself wrote his word on the tablets. We we visit this idea regularly. It's why we have the word of God today. God set a precedent. He began a process of revealing who he was and his agreement with his people by writing it down. And then he gave the tablets to Moses. Moses, of course, destroys them because he's mad at the people and has to chisel a new set. But God writes it down and he instructs us, write this down. When we get vision from God, do we really take it seriously? When God is instructing us or leading us, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Has God ever given you vision for breakthrough in some area of your life? Maybe you've believed something about what God is leading you towards. Sometimes we get frustrated in the process and we lose vision for what God has for us. But the Word instructs us, it waits for its appointed time. It's working towards the end. It does not lie still. If it seems slow, wait for it. Don't give up on your vision. Don't give up on what you're inspired about, about what God has stirred in your heart, about how He's led you. Or if you don't have any vision for what's next that you can't see, you can't see it, just God has it for you. He has vision for you. He has purpose for you. 
The Bible refers several times that, that there's foreordained works for you or that every day of my life was written in your book before I was ever born. God has things for you to do. He has vision for your life. Do you have vision for your life? How do you get that vision? How do you get inspired? It begins with the Word of God. Because, yeah, there's a big picture vision in the Bible, but there are times when the Bible addresses us as individuals. Each one has received a gift. God's varied grace, it talks about. Every single one of you has a part to play, and God has vision for your life. Are you inspired by it? Is God leading you in it? So important for us to have vision. In Isaiah chapter 55, for just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return without watering the earth, we know this, don't we? There's a bunch of snow around here sometimes. It falls from heaven, it comes here for a purpose. It melts and waters the ground. When we get the spring runoff and things begin to bud and to grow. And the scripture talks about this. Making it bud and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So in the same way, just like rain falling from heaven, just like snow falling to the earth with a purpose, my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper where I send it. When God sows things into our lives, he will accomplish it. Beginning with the big picture of his word, the things he's taught us in scripture. See, God has vision for his church. He's got vision for families. He's got vision for individuals. And he has vision for all creation. God's vision sits at the steering wheel of the universe, driving it towards its destiny. We already see it spoken of in the scripture. God has vision for the future. Are we on board with that? When God has vision, it will happen because it's his vision. It's his way. We can rest assured that God's vision for his people, God's word that is spoken, instructing us, giving us direction, telling us what to live, how to live, what to do, where to go, even in a general sense, is powerful in leading us. So when we stop and we think about or consider the vision of our lives and that road that we're on, and we can maybe we can see the horizon, maybe we can see tomorrow, but we don't know what's down the road. We don't know when our sunset is. We recognize that we're all on a journey. We're all on that road. We're all walking the path of life. We're all in development. You know, and some people, don't, don't you, you can, observe pe- you can observe in humanity that sometimes people as they go on to maturity in their elderly years, they continue to be wise and thrive and be life-giving and, and, and continue to develop right up to the very end of their days. That's what I want to be like. But sometimes even when we're young, we can start to get bitter and crusty and angry Crusty's a word. It's not in the Bible. But you know what I mean. As humans, we stop developing. We give up on growing. We give up on becoming who God has called us to be. We get bitter about life's experiences, and we begin to doubt that God actually cares on that journey. 
But God has purpose for our lives. We're not stationary. Can you see this? You know what this is? It's a passport. It's my old one. It's expired. It only has one stamp in it from Romania. And I was so excited when I got this passport. Here it is. They let me back into the U.S. My passport, it, I was so excited about it because it authorized me as a citizen of the United States to enter into another nation and then to return home. Isn't it cool? If you've got a passport, it's, eh, it's cool when you get that thing. There's something powerful about it. Wow, I look young in this picture. 2003. Wow, that was 20 years ago. Well, sometimes in the kingdom, we, we, we forget that we're on a journey. And we get our passport. We give our lives to Christ. We would say we get saved. All right, I got my passport. Somebody told me about Jesus, and I agreed with those facts, and I got my stamp into heaven. Guess I just got to wait till I die to get there. We think about salvation like this often. I've given my life to Christ, and I don't have to do anything else. There's nothing else for me. I just sit. This life is meaningless now. I'm just going to wait till I die. Because I, I got my stamp, got my passport. I get in, I got my ticket into heaven. But does that hold up to the Scripture? Is that what we're called to do? Sit and wait. I, I went to church a couple times. I, I do have a Bible, I own one, it's on a shelf at my house. I'm kind of being cynical. But this is what we do. This is, how, this is how so much of the world, just get saved, that's the thing. Just get saved so when you die, you go to heaven. Is that the point of why Jesus died on the cross? Is that the only reason? We're on a journey. You see, God makes all things new someday. A new heaven and a new earth. He resurrects the body. I think there's something that we should appreciate about the creation that God will make new. See, there, there are philosophies like Greek philosophies like Platonism and things like that that tell us that when we die, we're disembodied and we go live in heaven and we play on a harp on a cloud someday. And that's, that's all there is to it. There's no value in this life. And those things have worked their ways into Christianity, but they don't hold up under the scrutiny of Scripture. Jesus resurrected from the dead so that you will, that you get a new body someday. Jesus came that you would have life abundantly now, not someday down the road. Let's look at some passages. Do you have vision, even in this life? This is our commandment as a church to make disciples. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's the, fo- the phrase I want to focus on today. Teaching them to observe. Teaching them to observe. What's the mission of the church? Right now, in this life, from the moment you're saved, God has vision for you, and it's this. Make disciples. And we're going to talk about discipleship in the weeks ahead. It's 
There's a lot more to it than just sitting through a six-week class. It's about life. It's about doing life together. But here's the thing. God, in this life, from the moment you get your passport, from the moment that you say, God, I'm with you, I believe that you have resurrected from the dead and, and have forgiven my sins, when you've given your life to God, when you've submitted to him, a journey begins, not a sitting on a bench and waiting. A journey of teaching others also this glorious good news and, and that they can observe that. Why? So that we can have life now. It, you know, in the future, there's resurrection and new earth, new heavens, a recreation. We don't sit in heaven in a soul for eternity. We're resurrected in new bodies, in a new heaven and a new earth together. And it's interesting, I, I read something recently that described it like that resurrection, that future hope reached back in time and touched you and I here today. We've laid hold of something of that now, eternal life now, transformation now. I want to continue to transform. I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to walk out the journey that God has for me, not just waiting until I die because this is too difficult. I want to grow now. Do you want to grow? Do you have vision for that? That is what we're called to do, is to grow ourselves, to be disciples, as well as encourage others to grow, each in our own way. Not everybody's going to stand up here and preach on Sundays. But every single one of us has something to contribute to the development of others. And we want to see that come out of every individual that's a part of the body of Christ, that we all can contribute to one another. Our job is to help one another. That's why we're together. We're not called to be alone. We're not called to be lone rangers. That's why we come together as a church every Sunday. It's about community and being together and investing in one another's lives. It's why we do small groups. So there's the opportunity to travel together, to walk together in life, to encourage one another, to make disciples of one another. There's a Monday night football small group right now. And I know some of you roll your eyes at that. But I tell you what, I'm hearing testimony out of what some people are talking about at Monday Night Football Group. That's discipleship. That is what making disciples is about. It's about relating. It's about opportunity. They, they shut the TV off, I think, at halftime and pray and talk. And then they enjoy a football game together. That's real development right there in a very simple and awesome way. I'll take that every day of the week. We want to encourage one another. We want to be on a journey. We want to have a vision for what's next. We want to grow. We want to become something, something more. We want to become mature. We don't want to just get saved and sit and just kind of wait for the end. We're all part of a mission together. We want to embrace that transformed life now. Therefore, beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, continue to, continue, there's a word of action moving forward, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act on behalf of his good purpose. Well, this is a rich passage here to unpack. But I want to focus in on there. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Wait a minute, I'm already saved. I gave my life to Christ. I've experienced that regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. I made him Lord. Yes, that's true. There's a deposit of eternity in you, but you aren't yet resurrected from the dead. We're on a journey. 
Yes, you will be. That's guaranteed. That deposit is there. But now we begin to walk out that transformed life. So Paul talks about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not fear like scary fear. Deep respect and awe. God has given you eternal life and salvation. Let's live like it. Let's work it out in our lives. Let's continue to pursue it. That word work out, it's, li- it's one word in the Greek, and it means literally to work down to the end point, to an exact definite conclusion, to bring to decisive finality. Jesus is saying, or Paul's saying in this, work out your salvation. Uh, bring it to a decisive finality. Work it that direction. You have that transformed life now in this present life. Work it out because it's having an impact on the world around you. You are a vessel of the presence and the spirit of God. And when we're working out this salvation, this transformation that God has given us, it's having an impact on the world around us. And that is exactly what God's vision for us is, is to make disciples. Through that expression, through that working out of our salvation, bringing it towards its finality. We're ushering it along, and we don't arrive in this life, do we? I'm going to leave this flesh behind at some point, but I'm going to step into a new one someday, which is a conversation, a whole other topic we could preach about. What actually happens? What does the Bible say about when we die and things like that? Where do we go in this resurrection? This entire gospel centers around the concept of resurrection. And you have a deposit of that resurrected life today. It's why, we, it's why we believe that you can still see miracles and signs and wonders today. Because there's a deposit of that future power, that future reality of new creation in each one of us. Because we are a new creation. It's what we're trying to grasp as believers now. When we gave our life to Christ, we were recreated and we spend our lifetime grasping the imp- uh, implications and power of that transformed life. Let's read some more passages. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We know that Jesus said a man must be born again. Nicodemus said, what? How can you be born a second time? But this is what happens when we give our lives to Christ. When we finally submit to him and we go, okay, my way doesn't work anymore. I'm with you, Lord. Stamp my passport. You're the boss. You're my authorization now. You're my way, my truth, my life. When we do that, we are born again. So what happens when something is born? It begins a journey. Your journey begins anew when you give your life to Christ. You become recreated, born again. There's a deposit of eternity now inside. There's a future reality that is now yours that you are going to be resurrected and living and serving alongside God. This is good news because the rest of creation doesn't operate that way. Death. What do they call it? Entropy? Constant work towards decay? That's what we see when we see in creation, but God's people anticipate a recreation, a brand new. Do you have vision for that in your life? See, when we have vision, when we can see these things, when we can begin to wrestle with them and comprehend them, it begins to inspire us about how to live now. 
If I'm carrying that regenerative, recreative power of the Holy Spirit who's done this work in me, am I then taking that vision of the Scripture of making disciples, encouraging the saints, worshiping God, studying the Scripture, activating my gifts, whatever it is? Am I, am I taking that and doing that? Because that's what God has called us to. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a... How many of you can just stop and appreciate, I'm so glad I'm a new creation. I'm really glad I'm a new creation. I'm really glad I could leave the old behind. A new thing has come, a new journey, a new direction. And it happens right now in this life. And every step, every day for the rest of my life, I will be on a journey closer and closer to God if I embrace that vision. Or I can just sit on the bench with my passport and wait for time to go by. But the problem is that we also answer to God for the way that we live. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. I don't think I have this passage up for you, but I'm going to read it to you. This is Paul, 2 Corinthians 5. We know that while we are at home in the body, here, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, whether in this life or the next. See what he's saying? We make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Sometimes we don't like those parts of the judgment passages. But what we do in life is evaluated. Our eternal security is secure in Christ. There's no question about that when we give our lives to Christ. But still, the way we lived is evaluated. We're on a journey. And so we want to work out our salvation. We want to continue to see it towards finality. I'm going to wrap up with this, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. Just as, a, just as man is appointed to die once and after that to face judgment, so also Christ was, bear, was offered once to bear the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who eagerly await him. That's the phase we're in right now. Do we have vision for this life? Do we have hope in this life? Are we engaged in the mission of God in this life? Or are we just waiting for it to pass by so we can get on with it? God didn't call us to sit down and wait. He called us to action today. He called us to develop. He called us to grow. He called us to be disciples and make disciples. Would you stand, please? God has vision. He has something in mind for creation. God's big picture it, vision, it informs the, envision of e the vision of each individual. Consider what's next for you. What's next for you? What's God tugging on your heart for next? Might have to do with how you're raising your family. It might have to do with how you're spending your retirement. It might have to do with how you're spending your money. Might have to do with career change. Might have to do with leading a small group. It might have to do with talking to somebody that you know you need to talk to. What's next? Have vision for next. 
Inspire yourself for what's next. Can you envision and become inspired about what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those that you interact with? Embrace that transformation. Embrace, embrace the vision that God has for you and for us. Let's pray. God, I'm so glad that, Lord, you aren't sitting off somewhere in outer space preoccupied with other things, but that, God, you have a plan. You have vision. You have purpose. You have growth, a process of growth for us to be walking in with, with you, with you. It's not like you're sitting way at the end of the line going, come on, get it in gear, let's go, get down here. But you're walking with us every step of the way, leading us and guiding us. Father, I'm so thankful for that. So I honor you for that. And Lord, I pray for each one here. Lord, I pray for those that are discouraged and even thinking or talking about vision. Just going, I, I can't see past my, my day today. I have no hope for tomorrow. Lord, I pray for those that are discouraged, that the power of your spirit would encourage them and comfort them. God, I pray for each one that you would be inspiring thoughts and feelings about next, an inspiration to grow, an inspiration to embrace what you're doing in our lives, and also to recognize in the lives of others that you are, that they are part of their development process, that we need each other to grow. So God, we pray your blessing upon each one today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to receive prayer this morning, you know, if you're challenged or discouraged or whatever it is that maybe God is stirring in you, our prayer team over here on my left, Becky and Ryan, would love to pray with you. Don't miss the opportunity to receive prayer this morning. For the rest of you, have a great rest of your week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.